Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Pugilistics Linguistics Podcast. I am your host, Michael Foster, and kind of wanted to come back this evening and finish up that thought I began earlier. The uh, when is it enough thought, when is it enough podcast. During the midst of that podcast, during the midst of that talking earlier this afternoon, there was one phrase that I kept coming back to, that kept resonating, I kept um, fitting the situation. And that topic was the concept of black as a weapon. Black as a weapon. It's a very interesting thought when you think about it. Noncompliance is always the reason as to why situations escalate out of control to the point where someone dies. Noncompliance. Never mind the fact that for a lot of these, in a lot of these situations, the sole reason for the interaction is off of a bogus premise. But noncompliance, you know, resisting arrest being your only crime. Well, if resisting arrest is my only crime, that means the arrest should not have taken place. See, you got to understand the uh, an arrest is a result of a crime. The arrest itself should not be the crime. You should be able to resist arrest if arresting is the only thing that's going on. But I digress. Uh, black is a weapon. Noncompliance. I read something today in regards to the shooting in Tulsa, and I guess it's general to all this stuff. And the quote read something like, how do you put down your weapon when black is your weapon? And that's something that really stuck with me. Using that thought, it shifts my thinking to Alton Sterling never had a chance. Philando Castile never had a chance. Terrence Crutcher and Sandra Bland and Tamir Rice and uh, a myriad of others never had a chance because black was their weapon. Now, there are going to be some people out here that accuse me of, you know, race baiting and all these buzzword topics that people like to use when they don't want to pay attention to what you're saying. is a way of minimizing you, a way of uh, marginalizing you, as if what you say has no merit. I am a firm believer in you cannot alleviate a situation until you get honest about it. 
I've never been in the 12-step program, never been in any of these anonymous programs, but I do know that they say something along the lines of you cannot begin to heal or eliminate your issue until you admit there is a problem. As soon as America admits that there is a problem, then and only then can we begin to alleviate the issue. Make no mistake, the murders committed by law enforcement is not the issue, contrary to popular opinion. That is truly not the cause. That's just the manifestation That's how it reveals itself. There's an underlying cause here to where situations escalate out of control and somebody ends up dead. Because understand, these are not murders committed because I pull a weapon on you. These are not murders committed because you know, you know I've committed a crime. These are murders committed out of fear. I don't care what anyone says. We are feared as a people. Black is your weapon. The sooner we can get to a standpoint to where we can be honest with ourselves, we can begin to systematically peel away this onion and get to the core of the issue is your weapon. So how do we get there? Well, first off, before we even get to the how do we get there, Let's discuss how we got here. Because far too often, people stats out to try to justify their bigotry. Frankly, that's all it is. I mean, there's no other word for it. So you have to understand there's a difference between bigotry and racism. Bigotry is a feeling. Racism is the action behind it. So why does America at large fear the African culture or the people, the African people? That's a better way to put it. Well, first, far too many Americans have not taken the time to carve out a serious, a substantial relationship with someone outside of their culture. I have some good friends that are white. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Okay? They took the time to carve a relationship out with me and know me for who I am and not what I am. I don't know how it was when we first got together. I don't know how it was when we first met. 
But where we are now, I know them, they know me. I'll be eating at their house, they'll be eating at my house. But there are far too many people who don't take that time. And they get their impressions of a people from the 6 o'clock news, from Fox News, from MSNBC, from CNN, wherever. And they shape their opinions based on that. That's their gospel. If you live in Podunk, Montana, let's say, and you've never seen a black person in your life, and you switch on the news, you're going to believe what you see because you don't know any better. You carry that with you. So first issue, the first issue is the fact that you don't take the time to develop a relationship with someone of a different persuasion. Once you do that, you realize we're all the same. My folks sat out in the sun a little bit longer than yours, but we're all the same. We do different things. You may have different sensibilities, but bottom line, we all people. I bleed, you bleed. So they get the image from the 6 o'clock news. And I'm not even going to get on the media here because the media has a, has a job to do. They, they, do what, they do what sells. Okay? I don't... I don't need the media or I don't trust the media or I don't blame the media for uh, telling my story the way they want to tell it. You know, they're going to tell my story the way they want to tell it. It's my job to tell my story the way I need it to be told. It's my job. Okay. So that image of the bit Big black, big bad black man is fresh in a lot of people's minds. That is what's been used since the beginning of time in this country to demonize, to to elicit fear, to instill fear. Barack Obama is the president of the United States, and he was once under that big bad black man mantra, especially in 2008 when he was running. He's a constitutional scholar who graduated magna cum laude from Harvard. What do you think he's going to do? Rob you for your money in the middle of the street? But that's what they think of. So we need to start to dismantle that impression. How? Really just by being us. You just be you. You just be you. There's no other way. You cannot go out of your way to convince someone who does not want to be convinced. You just got to be you, and eventually they'll come around. I don't try to be anybody else but me. Okay. So now what else? Big, bad, black man. Fear. These police officers take that to their job with them. Okay. They have bought into that and they think we are going to do whatever. That's why they're so quick on the trigger.
half of this blame falls on the 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 the, the, the departments that hire these people. You got to hire better folk. There's no reason in the world why a police officer mistakes her taser for her Glock and opens fire. There's no reason why a police officer in Cleveland that killed Tamir Rice, who was fired from a suburban police department six months prior to the incident, because he was, I think the, the statement was, uh, incapable of doing the job in a suburb. So he, they put him in inner city Cleveland. There is no reason as to why you get out of your car and open fire within seconds of getting on the scene. The police officer in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, who shot Philando Castile, he was getting information at the window and apparently something went sideways to him. He opens fire before he even realized it. I'm no police officer, never have been, never will be. But I do know, because I do have some police officer friends, that space, distance is your friend in situations that are escalating to the point where you need to make other make other decisions. If you really believe that you are under siege, distance, you, you gain space from the situation before you realize what's happened. So I think we need to hire better quality of people for police officers. But the third thing, the the, the thing that's going to end all this uh, you know, getting to meet, getting to know uh, a black person or getting to know somebody outside your comfort zone or getting to know someone in your area and hiring better people. Over, that's all well and good. The central thing that's going to curtail this rash of violence in these streets is accountability. When these police officers begin to serve real time for the murders that they are committing, then these things will begin to stop. Now, under no circumstances am I asking for police officers to uh, second-guess themselves when they are in real danger. I am not one of those type of people who automatically assumes that they that that they were under no duress and nothing happening over I'm not one of them type people. I strive to get the facts before I speak on them. That's exactly why I haven't spoken on the Charlotte incident that happened last night because I haven't got all the facts and I haven't read the story yet. So I'm I'm going to reserve my right on that one. But there needs to be serious accountability. Well, black people kill black people all the time. Well, yes, they do. But you know what? The nature of the beast is you kill who you live around. I think the statistic was 94% of black people that are killed are killed by other black people. 92% of white people that are killed are killed by other white people. 
I don't know the rest of the numbers, but I'm sure the, the numbers are similar for Hispanics and uh, Chinese and whatever. You kill who you live around. The nature of that beast. So black-on-black crime is a red herring. That is something that's put out there when you want to minimize what's actually being said. When you don't have a when you don't have a true rebuttal on what's being said, you throw out black-on-black crime. But see, here's the difference. When Ray Ray killed Little Earl on 83rd and Cottage, Ray Ray typically is caught and goes to jail. When Officer Bob kills Earl on 83rd and Cottage, Officer Bob gets a 30-day paid vacation, and he gets to have his job back. Right there is the central issue for both sides, the issue as to why these things anger us so much, as to why we don't even wait for the facts to come out anymore, because we've seen you can kill somebody on camera and get away with it. All you have to do is say some version of black was his weapon. So that's why we are angry on one side. On the other side, this is why it won't ever end. I get to sit up and kick my feet up for 30 days. Where's the incentive? They're not going to go to jail for this. So this actually sits in our lap. Because what we need to do, we need to get better people. And off Anita Alvarez, who is the Cook County State's Attorney, uh, who presided over the Laquan McDonald fiasco in Chicago. If you don't know what that is, Google it. A Chicago police officer uh, pumped 17 bullets in the guy in his back, and everybody on scene created a a narrative, and they stuck with what wasn't the truth. Well, Alvarez, the state's attorney, she sat on the case for almost the better part of a year, and only when the video was released, she decided to prosecute the lead detective, police officer. We got to hold her accountable. You know how we hold her accountable? You vote her out. And that's exactly what's happening in Illinois right now, in Cook County right now. She is being replaced. That is how you start to uh, effect some change. Pay attention to what's going on. Protesting is fine. Chanting and disrupting the movements of the city, that's all well and good. But if all we do when we get through is go home and close our doors, there's no yang to that yin. You know, by this being around the anniversary of 9-11, do you understand that what made 9-11 so devastating outside of the buildings coming down was that second plane? It didn't give us a chance to exhale they hit it with the first one and that would have been bad enough on its own but we would have had a chance to exhale that second plane came bam there's no exhale now 
Now we're twice on edge. What we need to do is we we protest, we 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 boycott, we do whatever we do. But then you combine that with let's get rid of these folk. It's a one-two punch. That's why it's called a one-two punch. Rahm Emanuel needs to go, Mayor of Chicago. That's shoes dropping. So whatever we ultimately end up doing, we have to start putting people in office, putting people in place, uh, disrupting whatever we need to do on a peaceful tip. I'm not an advocate of violence and looting because violence begets more violence. You know, Malcolm X, had, he, he was uh, on that violence tip. I respected him. I understand where he was coming from. And it may ultimately be, eventually, I might have to come to pass. Who knows? But I'm not big on that violence, that, that, that looting, that, that rioting tip, because what it does it allows the ones we are trying to reach to point at the looting and the fires and use that as a distraction from what's really going on. Okay? So we need to develop a one-two punch. Yeah, go out there and do your, your, your protesting. Go out there and do whatever we need to do. But we also got to now put people in place that have our sensibilities at heart. Black will always be a weapon in this country. History is littered with uh, instances of when blackness has been used to frighten. Marijuana is illegal because when... This went to Congress. Southern congressmen said marijuana made blacks stir crazy and made them want to have sex with white women. So it has to be illegal. Okay, you go back to slavery days, the big bad, the big bad Mandingo. So we've been demonized for for generations. That's nothing new. What needs to be new is our, our response to it. That needs to be what we need to do. Our response needs to change. We have to get as savvy as they are. And I want to qualify this by saying when I say we, I don't necessarily mean just black folk. I mean anybody that's down for the cause. Citizens, American citizens not dying on American streets at the hands of people who took an oath to serve and protect. Anybody that's down for that cause, that's what I mean by us. Anybody that's not down for the cause, and you don't necessarily have to agree with the methods, but if you cannot sit back and objectively see there's something wrong in this country when citizens' blood is spilled in the streets by people who take an oath to serve and protect, then you are a part of them. 
Okay. There are instances where police officers got to do it. I get it. I don't live in a va- I don't live in a vacuum. I live in the real world. I get it. But you cannot tell me that every single one of these instances, and I only named nine. There are hundreds. I believe the last stat I saw was 136 black people killed by the police officers in 2016. I don't have numbers as far as armed versus unarmed, so I'm not going there. But you cannot tell me, given the state of race relations today, turn on the television, that these are all, every last one of them, justifiable shoots. You can't tell me that. You can tell me that, but I'm going to look at you like you're crazy. So what do we need to do? March, uh, protest, uh, do what we need to do to get attention. Kneel during a national anthem. Uh, stand during a national anthem. Sit. Whatever needs to be done to point attention to this problem without distracting from it, do it. But we got to come back with that two punch of getting rid of the elected officials that allowed this to continue to happen. If Anita Alvarez brought Jason Van Dyke, which is the police officer's name, if she brought him up on charges last year, they wouldn't have the problems related to that case this year. If they are open and transparent and said, hey, this was not a justifiable shoot, you all lied, there are going to be repercussions, there wouldn't have been a problem this year. The death is bad enough, but then when you compound the death with disrespect of an entire community, then you get powder kegs in the middle of your cities. So, I don't have all the answers. I think that certain things should be done. I think that a lot of things have not been done. I also think that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But nothing in this country... Dealing with equality has come easy for anyone. I'm no patriot. I'm no dude that says, let's go out and, 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 and shed the blood of the Vietnam. No, I don't do all that. I think some things need to be done. What those things are, we can sit down and collaboratively come up with it. But definitely, we need to keep the issue in the forefront. I respect Brother Colin Kaepernick more now than I ever did because he's sticking to his convictions. And he's proven this is not just a publicity stunt. There's nothing in this for him for this to be a stunt. I can't see, other than the ultimate goal of what he speaks to, I can't see any positive for him personally. So respect that brother. He has done it the way it needs to be done because he has brought attention to the issue without distracting from the issue because they can't point to anything that he's doing foul other than him kneeling. 
So let's get together uh, as as this this um, forum becomes a little more uh, well known. I intend to uh, speak to people about how do we get to where we need to be. Uh, that's a different conversation for a different day. But bottom line. We need to begin to dismantle this system to where blackness is a weapon. Because that, more than anything else that goes on, is what gets us shot in the streets. If anybody has any ideas about it, I've got a comment section. Please drop some comments. You see me on Facebook. You know, come on, I'm, I'm all about ideas, y'all. But let them be real thought-out ideas. Don't come to me half-cocked, because I won't come back at you half-cocked. But in closing, I'll just say, take care of yourself, because you all you got. Peace.